You are listening to the Financial Clarity for Doctors podcast by Finity Group, LLC, where we discuss the pertinent financial planning topics facing physicians and other medical professionals. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA, SIPC. And now, here are your hosts, Rochelle Vanderzanden and Corey Janoff. Welcome back to Financial Clarity for Doctors, everyone. This is Rochelle Vanderzanden here with Corey Janoff. Hello. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Today, we're going to talk a little bit about how sometimes gradual improvements go unnoticed. And a lot of times when we're talking about our financial well-being and things like that, they all happen incrementally. You know, when we are making improvements, we can't overnight go from being $250,000 in debt to being a millionaire. Like, that's not how it works. So it's really hard to see that progress happening over time. And, you know, we've talked about this a little bit. We discussed about how small little actions can make big differences if you give it enough time. And this is kind of like the opposite end of this. This is the effect. Like, what do you see when it happens? How do you see it? When does it happen? All of that kind of stuff. So we're just going to talk a little bit about how you can kind of see those incremental changes, what they look like, and what to look for over longer periods of time. Because really, that's where you're going to see the big improvements is if you just give it some time, unfortunately. Yeah, time and persistence. And you can see this in like pretty much every field in the world, not just in finance. You know, look at evolution, look at medicine, look at fitness, you name it. Um, like, for example, my dad, he... He rides uh, his bicycle with some friends. They, they have kind of their usual routes that they go on pretty regularly. And I guess one of the guys is just a beast. And, you know, he'll you know power ahead of people, have to wait for the others at the top of hills. But a while back, you know, and my dad also does the Peloton pretty regularly. And uh, I suggested to him, hey, rather than just hopping on and doing your usual, you know, 30-minute ride that pops up, why don't you try doing one of those power zone training programs, which... For anyone that has a Peloton or anyone that's ever, you know, done fitness training programs, it's like a regimented five to six week long program where it has, you know, specific types of uh, training that you do persistently throughout the week. So, you know, you got to do it, you know, not every day, but I think they have like three to five classes per week, depending on which program it is. And they start off small and gradually works your way up. Um, and it, it's not so much the going all out every day, you know, pedal to the metal. It's just the persistent, continually building those muscles, that endurance over time and, and sticking with it. And after completing that program, like he was keeping up with, with Mr. Beast, no relation to the YouTube, uh, Mr. Beast, but, um, but yeah, you know, like the, it works, you know, small micro actions compounded day in and day out. They, they really do add up over time. You don't really notice it from one day to the next. Like if you decide one day, all right, I'm going to start doing push-ups. You do push-ups. It's not like you're automatically able to bench press a house the next day. You know, it, it takes some time to build up that strength, but, um, the key is persistency and consistency over, like Rochelle said, a long period of time to ultimately see those big results that we're shooting for. Yeah. 
And I think, you know, we have a lot of listeners that work in healthcare, and you can see this in a lot of healthcare statistics as well. So, you know, we want to cure overnight for all the things, but that's really not how it works. Most of the time, we have incremental improvements in certain healthcare issues over time. I think heart disease is a really good example. You know, it's still the biggest cause of death in the U.S., and obviously we want it to get better, and we don't want it to be the case, but it's way better than it was. In 1950, the death rate from heart disease in the U.S. was about 589 out of 100,000 people. In 1960, 10 years later, the death rate was about 559 out of 100,000 people. It's about a 5% decrease or, you know, a 0.5% improvement per year. So you see these really small incremental changes, and, and it feels like it's not a lot. But in 2019, the death rate from heart disease in the U.S. was about 161 and a half people per 100,000. So from 589 to 161, that's obviously some big improvements in healthcare right there, or, you know, in diet and exercise and whatever it was. I'm sure there's lots of different factors that kind of play into this. Um you know, a 1% improvement per year over 70 years is, is pretty significant. And we're going to keep working on it and we're going to keep wanting it to be better and never be satisfied. But it's important to also acknowledge that we are making small improvements over time on things like this as well. Yeah, you know, 1% change from one year to the next is you don't even notice it. Even 1% a year for a decade, you know, 10% spread out over 10 years, you, you probably don't even notice that either. But when you look back, 1% a year compounded over a lifetime, that's huge. You know, it's you know, the heart disease one. That's like almost a 75% decrease in deaths from heart disease. You know, it's still, you know, more than we want it to be. But, you know, we've made some strides. You know, maybe, you know, maybe more morbid topic for some, but infant mortality, you know, U.S. isn't a very good example. You know, we're like not even in the top 40 of of, uh, of, of best countries for that statistic, but you know, it's, it's improved over time in 1950, it was about 30 per 1000 live births, um, versus in 2022, it was about five and a half per 1000. So it seems to drop every single year by a little bit. Um, you know, a, a little bit more in the early years, it's maybe about 1% a year now decrease looking at some, some various statistics, but, uh, but again, from one year to the next, you know, it doesn't change. But over a long period of time, it, it definitely improves. Obviously, one death per a thousand is more than we want it to be. Um, but but I think we gotta continue focusing on the small little steps to to see those big results over longer periods of time. Yep. Thank you for everyone that's working on all of those things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hopefully we'll be here a long time as a result of all of you listening. Absolutely. So if we're going to circle back and bring it back to the finances, which is what we generally talk about on this podcast, I think that the easiest way to kind of track your own progress over time to see those incremental changes is by looking at your net worth. And we've talked about net worth a few times on this podcast, but the main reason we track it is to see that significant progress over a long period of time. Like if you're updating that every six months, which we kind of do sometimes with clients and meetings, you're not probably going to see a huge difference from meeting to meeting. 
But if you look over like a five-year period of time, pull one up that's five years old and compared to now, it better be a lot better. Like <laughs> if not, we're maybe not doing things quite right or maybe you're in training and you know things are a little stagnant and that's okay. Like that happens when you're in training. But as an attending, like over that long a period of time, you start to see some really big changes. So just as a reminder, your net worth is basically where you put together everything that you own, all of your assets, you list out all of your liabilities or debts, and you kind of subtract the debts and liabilities from the assets to get what your net worth is. And that's, you know, that's your bottom line. That's that's how we can track track progress over time because we're lowering debts, we're increasing assets, and that bottom line gets better over time. Yeah, I think everyone's kind of a victim of of not seeing that because we don't look at the big picture. We look at our savings account or something like that. And it feels like it hasn't moved all year. And maybe it hasn't. Maybe it doesn't need to. Maybe it's okay that your savings account is stagnant because you're using your money elsewhere in your plan more effectively. Or maybe you like look at your Roth IRA balance and it's down from the last time you checked. It's not up. It's not worth more. It's worth less. And that happens absolutely with with market movement and things like that. But when you look at the whole picture over a long enough period of time, it can be really different. Yeah, I mean, we, we all do it and feel like we're, we're stuck in the mud at times. But, you know, when I look at my net worth today versus five years ago, like it's triple where it was, you know, compared to 10 years ago, it's like 10x from where it was a decade ago. And I'm sure for most of you listening, it's it's very similar, you know, when you know, as a, as a physician, when you're in training, you often have a negative net worth due to those large student loan balances that you have to take out to pay for med school. But then five to 10 years into practice, you know, your net worth is often a million, two million, three million, or even more, you know, depending on, you know, your income and how much you're able to save over that time. Now, some of that, of course, is attributed to stock market growth, your investments appreciating over time or your home value appreciating over time. We've seen that, especially in recent years. Um, and in some cases, public service loan forgiveness, getting those student loans forgiven is a, a huge pop to the net worth when it happens. Yeah. One day but, you have a loan balance of $250,000 and the next day you don't. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. But most of that progress is attributed to you. You diligently saving a portion of each and every paycheck and persistently paying down your debts. So just chipping away a little bit at a time. And those little micro actions added up and compounded over time are, are what result in you going from a, a negative quarter million dollar net worth to a multimillionaire a decade into practice. And that's what we're, we're shooting for. Yeah. And I think it's important that we're trying when we're in training, you know, but in training, it's also important to acknowledge that progress can be very slow. So even when you're putting a lot of your resources toward your goals in training, you may not have a ton of resources. So if you're scraping by just to make those Roth IRA contributions, it's that's great. Like the effort is well worth it. But at the same time, it's not going to make a measurable difference in your net worth while you're in training, especially if you have student loans and especially if they are accruing interest. So those student loans accrue interest at a pretty fast clip when there's a large balance and when they're actually accruing interest and we're not in a three and a half year COVID forbearance. But, you know, I, it's still worthwhile that 
maybe maybe you put twenty or thirty thousand dollars in a Roth IRA through all of training, and it might not feel worth it. But those dollars can likely double three or four times before you retire. And then, you know, you may not even use the money right when you retire. It stays invested and maybe it gets to double again a couple more times. And that adds up. So like even when we're making these very small or, you know, it feels small. Maybe it feels big at the time. It kind of depends on your outlook. But when we're making these little contributions towards your overall financial well-being, it doesn't feel like it's adding up, but it will. It absolutely will. And I think, you know, to, to reemphasize the, the doubling three or four times before you retire, you know, our, our human brains don't do compound math very well. So if you have, say, $25,000 in your Roth IRA when you finish training at, you know, age 30, let's say, you know, at age 40, it might be 50000 At age 50, it might be 100000 At age 60, it might be 200000 at age 65, 70, you know, it could be 400000 So that $25,000 Roth IRA balance without adding any more money to it using historical market averages, you know, no guarantees moving forward, but that 25000 could turn into almost a half a million by the time you're, you know, in your hopefully early years of retirement if you live a long, healthy life. And like Rochelle said, if you don't touch it, you know, maybe by your 80s, it's a million-dollar Roth IRA. Um you know, that's huge. That is that is significant. It, uh, that that compound growth over time. So, and then just you know factor in contributions that you'll make to that over time. You could have a multi-million dollar tax-free account available to you in retirement if you persistently add to it every single year. Absolutely. Yep. I think debt payment is another good example of it being hard to kind of comprehend the progress that you're making. If you think about a mortgage and you make your mortgage payment and it's like, oh, it's still the same amount of principal. Like it feels like it is for years and years and years. And depending on the size of the debt and the interest rates, lots of your payments are basically going directly toward interest at the beginning. Like maybe there's a tiny little bit going to the principal, but not a lot. And over time, as you continue to make those payments, the principal will start to go down more quickly and it'll be easier to see your progress, but especially at the beginning, it's, it's hard to see. If you look at mortgage amortization schedules, the first year, like I said, payments are almost all to, all to interest. Five years into the loan, you barely made a dent. But by year 30, it's gone. You know, like if we have a 30-year mortgage, that's what it's designed to do. At the beginning, you pay a lot of interest. Towards the end, you're putting a lot towards the principal. If we're looking at more specific numbers, five years into your mortgage, the balance is probably only about 6% smaller than it is when you started, assuming you didn't make any extra payments or anything like that. That means 94% of the money that you put towards those loans went to interest. Cool. <laughs> By year 10, it's about 14% smaller than you started. Year 20, it's over 40% smaller. Year 25, it's almost 70% smaller. And then year 30, it's paid off. And this is why people talk about like, ooh, maybe we should put extra money towards your mortgage. And it may or may not make sense based on your individual circumstances. But when you do put extra money towards it, it goes towards that principle and you can see your progress better over time. Yeah. Like even if you switch from monthly payments to biweekly, which is popular for people that get paid every other Friday, you know, you get 26 paychecks a year as opposed to 24 half paychecks or 12 monthly paychecks. So, you know, if you make... Divide your mortgage payment in half and, and make, 
a half payment every two weeks, you end up 26 half payments is like 13 full payments. So you get an extra month worth of payments every year built in there. And that shaves a handful of years off of the lifespan of that loan. So, you know, again, it's not going to pay it off overnight, but you know, it could accelerate that trajectory, um, you know, by a handful of years and, you know, it coincides with those paychecks if you're paid that way. So, you know, one strategy worth considering, um, not for everyone, but again, depending on your individual circumstances, could make sense to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the same thing is true about savings. You know, it feels like slow going at first. You're saving for a home down payment and you can only squeeze out an extra $1,000 a month. Like that, that's challenging. It takes a while to build up a good chunk of cash. As your income increases, hopefully we can put a little bit more savings towards those goals. Hopefully we have it in an account where it can earn some interest. So that helps a little bit. And you just keep adding to that pot $1 at a time. If you give it long enough, you can build a solid savings account balance too. Yeah, I think the... You know, the mindset is just that one one dollar at a time. Let's focus on not where we need to be, but what we can control today to slowly help us get there. You know, like maybe not the best analogy, but fun one, like how much does a feather weigh? It's essentially nothing. But if you collect enough feathers to fill a pillow, you know, pluck feathers off of geese, whatever, what are the down pillows made of goose feathers? Um yeah, you know, you fill a pillow, that's about three pounds worth of feathers. Collect enough feathers to fill all the pillows and all the beds in your house. You know, if you have, what, three or four beds and two pillows each, what's, that's probably about 20 to 30 pounds worth of feathers. Now, let's, you know, multiply this even further. Collect enough feathers to fill all the pillows in a hotel. Like, how many pounds of feathers is that? How many pounds of feathers does Marriott have in all of their hotels combined? You know, it didn't happen overnight, but they got there one feather at a time. And uh, you know, it's just that power of slow or maybe fast micro actions, but persistent, compounded over time. And eventually you get enough feathers to fill all the hotels in America. I think the investments and retirement savings are where we focus a lot of our energy. You know, and we look at things all the time. And, and that one can be particularly challenging because market movement can make it seem better or worse. You know, like it can make it even harder to see progress if the market's down. You're like, oh, man, I put 20 grand in my 401k this year, but it doesn't look like it's up. <laughs> you know, like it doesn't look like it has more money than it did before. Um so as your account balance grows too, you know, as you have more and more money in there, that 10% swing one way or the other can become much more dramatic in terms of the number of dollars that that has an effect on. And, you know, that can make it really, really hard to see. So if the market is going sideways, we don't want to check that account balance daily. We don't even want to look at it weekly. Like you still have to look at it once in a while. You need to know what's going on. But ideally, like, give it some time, let it play out. Don't get overly concerned about that. And maybe, you know, don't add it all up on your net worth for a little while because it might make you sad. But just know that, like, those market cycles are part of a natural progression through, like, your saving years until you get to retirement. Also, when you're in retirement, you're going to experience some market cycles as well. But if you give it long enough, you – we – 
okay, no promises, because we can't make promises about this, but based on past statistics, we would expect that to go up over time. And, you know, you'll see exponential growth potentially. You know, we had that interest is kind of, or not interest, but the, the growth of those stocks and bonds and mutual funds that's kind of growing on top of itself over time. And it becomes more dramatic the longer that you have money invested. Yeah. Um, time is that, that key ingredient, you know. Well, I guess the key ingredient is you persistently saving and investing and then letting time work its magic but you know the first 10 to 20 years of your career the amount you save should move the needle more than the market if not you're probably not saving enough um eventually you know once you have call it a million dollars in assets that are invested all right now a 10 percent market movement is a fix a six-figure sum and you know maybe you're saving close to six figures a year maybe not quite but once you kind of cross over that threshold um you know that's that's where the the market you know takes a hold and and hopefully over time you know you, you know juices the the portfolio value more than uh takes steps back from periodically you know every handful of years you're going to see your portfolios and ultimately your net worth decrease in value as a result of of your invested assets but that's that's part of the game um you just got to be patient and again let time work its magic i think we've referenced our, our good friend warren buffett before you know we've thrown out the statistics about how like 99 percent of his wealth came after his 50th birthday something like 95 percent came after his 65th birthday yeah he, you know it, 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 the 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 biggest attribute that he's uh he's been able to do um is just be invested for over eight decades you know it's he's had good returns of course but he's been able to to do that for decades on end over and over and over again and it's the persistence the consistency compounded over time that makes him worth over a hundred billion dollars um you know that that time piece you know you, you diligently consistently um, practicing those micro actions and giving it time to work is, is what's gonna what's gonna lead to those big results yep absolutely you have to kind of focus on what you can control because you can't control the market movement but you can control how much you're saving ideally you know you might obviously within reason you only have so many dollars but how much you're spending and how much you're saving is going to have a big impact on what the financial picture looks like over time um so yeah those small actions over and over again compounded persistently over time usually lead to big results i would say like if you haven't ever made a net worth before do it you know it's such a good way or you know if you have an app some people use apps that track that which is great as well but it's a good way to like look at what your picture is now and then you know five years from now look at it again see how much improvements you've made and give yourself a pat on the back hopefully yeah i think this i'll show it up for the people on video but on audio i'll describe it this is one of rochelle and i's favorite sketches by carl richards fellow cfp author podcaster but it's a venn diagram that shows um, in one circle things that matter and then in the other circle that's slightly overlapping 
things that you can control. And the part that's colored in is the overlap part. So focus on the things that matter that you can control and just continually repeat that over time and you'll ultimately get to where you want to go. So we can't control the market. Don't worry about it. Can't control the weather either. So, you know, just focus on how much you save and persistently continue to do it over and over. And that's just on the investing side of things. You know, you could apply it to debt. You could apply it to your family, your relationship, your spouse, like whatever is important to you that matters to you that's under your control that you have an influence over that let's focus on that and, and repeatedly do that day in and day out and give it some time and you'll be impressed by the long-term results. I hope you enjoyed the cheese today. We get pretty cheesy sometimes here. A lot of cheese, <laughs> had a cheesy quesadilla for dinner last night. Ooh. Yum. Pile cheese on that cheese. But... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have a good one. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. We would love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future topics you'd like us to cover. You can get in touch with the show by emailing podcast at thefinitygroup.com or by following Finity Group on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Finity Group LLC. You can follow me on Twitter at Corey Janoff CFP, Instagram at Corey Janoff, or on LinkedIn under my name, Corey Janoff. You can follow me on Twitter at Rochelle Finance or on Instagram, Vanderzanden Rochelle, or on LinkedIn under my name, Rochelle Vanderzanden. Check out all of the podcast episodes on the affinitygroup.com slash podcast on our Finity Group YouTube channel or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to check out our Financial Clarity blog at thefinitygroup.com slash blog. Thanks for listening to this episode of Financial Clarity for Doctors by Finity Group, LLC.